0: Hi listeners. Today's episode contains description of crime that could include violence, drug use, and sexual assault. Please listen with care. Hi listeners, I'm Bianca.
1: And I'm Hannah.
0: And for the month of October, our podcast is gonna look a little different because we are lovers of true crime and we want to dedicate this month to all things spooky and true crime related. So, grab your coffee, get spooky. And let's take back Sunday.
1: So, Bianca. What's up? Would you like to let our listeners know what we've decided to call them? I think that would be
0: great because it is a name that was not on the original poll that we posted, and... It is one that we are obsessed with. So, our listeners will henceforth be known as the Sunday Society. Yay! Yes, we're I, so excited. I like it. Um, the Sunday Society. It works. It does. I think it makes it feel, especially since we're moving into, like, spooky season, and we're going to talk about a lot of spooky things this month, it feels very, like, sp- like, you know, like a club that meets every Sunday to tell scary <laughs> stories to yeah. each other, you know? What was that show? Um Scary, or Are You Afraid of the Dark? Aren't they? The Midnight Society. The Midnight Society. I think Society. that's what they're called. Yeah. So this is what that feels like. So I'm excited. We did refer to you as listeners because we didn't want to just jump in and start calling you the Sunday Society without at least giving you some heads up. So thank you for engaging in that poll with us, and we're excited to kind of personalize the listening experience and kind of build that community between us and our listeners.
1: This has been a, a world, when I feel like, of emotions, and this whole process has just been such a neat experience for us. We are learning and growing all the time, and um, we really like when you guys interact with us. We love it so much. (laughs) It makes us feel (laughs) really special. Please do it it more. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I thought when we started this, I was really unsure of what this was going to look like and how we were going to keep this going. And we are just doing this thing.
0: I know. I thought I was like, I told you in the beginning, I said, now, listen, my ADHD will have me lose interest in this after like (laughs) a week or two. So you're really going to have to be on me to keep doing this but it really hasn't felt like that. I have been very invested in this. I really enjoy all of the steps that it takes to make it happen. And one of my favorite parts is just trying to engage with people on our social media platforms, you know, and trying to get people to engage with us on Spotify. Like you're gonna, you guys will start seeing more polls and questions on the episodes on Spotify. We truly want to know your responses to those, you know, like those are questions that, Hannah and I are coming up with together because we want to know your experiences and how you can connect or if there's something that we need to learn or that we can touch on at another you know in another episode we really just like to learn and build that community
1: and I am very excited about where we've come from the last few weeks and what we've discussed I am very, very excited about what we are going towards because if anyone knows me, they know that I love this time of year more than Mm -hmm. anything in the world. And as soon as Labor Day was over, I (laughs) (laughs) I began decorating for Halloween. I love this season. I love fall. I love everything about it. I love the food. I love the smells. I love the colors. I love the temperature. Everything about it is just perfect.
0: I couldn't agree more. I really love the fall. And I am that basic white girl that it's like as soon as it starts to get a little crispy outside, I am in my leggings, I am in my Ugg boots, I am in line at Starbucks for a pumpkin spice latte. Do not come for me in my basic lifestyle because I will not care what you think.
1: I am making pumpkin (laughs) muffins this week, actually. Yes.
0: (laughs) I'm so excited. So in the spirit of fall, and I think we've talked about this in the intro, Our episodes for the next month are going to be all true crime related. We do recognize that sometimes that's not people's favorite thing to listen to. It's not going to hurt our feelings, but just a heads up, it will be, we are going to be talking about true crime. I do think we will have a paranormal episode and like a Halloween themed episode. So just a heads up moving into the next couple weeks, but I'm ready to dive in and hear this week's cases because we chose specifically cases that happened in missouri to kind of kick off spooky season and hannah's gonna start with her tale, um and i'm not gonna take up any more of the time so she can get started
1: okay bianca i'm super excited to talk to you about this case i've wanted to tell you about it but i was like nope we're gonna wait until this episode. (laughs) So a few weeks back, I was going to sleep on a weeknight, turned on 2020 like I normally do. And this story came on and it was a Missouri murder case. And I was like, awesome. This is what I'm going to talk about when we talk about Missouri murder cases. So this story takes place in Monroe County, Missouri, Molly Watson, a resident of Moberly, Missouri, began working as a correctional officer at the Moberly Correctional Center around 2010 when she was 28. While working there, she met a man named James Addy. James Addy was 15 years older than her, but Molly really was into him. He seemed into her despite family's concerns of age and just other things about him that didn't seem quite right. They dated for seven years when James finally asked for her hand in marriage. During the wedding planning, James was going through a divorce, which I think is a little bit of a sticky situation. Not sure if it's a great idea to like be trying to get married when you're getting a divorce, but to each their own. And during the holiday season of 2017, James told Molly that his wife or ex-wife, I'm not sure at this point if they were a- of divorced or not. Um, if that she had gotten into a car accident, it was pretty bad and she was in the hospital. And then after the new year, he had told Molly that she had passed away from that accident. Molly was still working diligently on planning this perfect day for their wedding, even when James was dealing with the death of his ex-wife and the mother of his children. Their wedding was just two days away when yet another terrible tragedy occurred. On August 27th, 2018, a man named Glenn McSperrin was driving down a country road in Monroe County. Uh, it was actually a shortcut to his mom's house. And he, as he's going down the road at night, he sees a car on the road. And in front of that car, he sees a woman's body laying on the ground. Glenn immediately called 911. And when first res- responders arrived, the female was pronounced dead. That female was Molly Watson. Molly was found shot in the back of the head, execution style. Still had her engagement ring on, marriage certificate was still in the car, and the highway patrol, obviously as soon as they realized who she was, alerted the family that she had been killed. After alerting her parents, they went to notify her fiancé, James Addy. When they arrived at James Addy's home, officers were shocked to find his wife answering the door for them. Very much alive. James Addy had been living two completely different lives. He was married to Melanie since 1995, and they had a son and daughter. As you would suspect, Melanie had no idea that James had been seeing another woman for seven years, or that he was engaged, or that he was planning on getting married that weekend. Like, none of that she had any idea about. Obviously, when the police start realizing that he's married and that this, you know, two days before their his wedding to his girlfriend or fiance, she ends up dead. They obviously took him in for questioning. So during the time that James is out of the house, Melanie Lake starts going through the house and trying to figure out like clues to this double life that her husband has been living. And I know she starts like in the garage, doesn't find anything there, makes her way at some point to the attic where she finds moving boxes of Molly's in their attic with photo albums of trips they had taken, trips that James had told Melanie were work trips, but they obviously were not. James Addy was obviously arrested and charged with the murder of Molly Watson. Some of the evidence used against him was a witness who had reported seeing a man parked along the road with Molly before her murder. The tire tracks near the murder scene matched Mr. Addy's car tires to a T. A shirt that James's daughter identified as his was found with Molly's blood on it near the scene of the murder. And ballistics determined that the gun used to kill Molly matched the same gun and ammunition that belonged to James Addy. While James Addy continues to claim his innocence, he has been sentenced to a life in prison without parole also just a side note his former wife melanie addy filed for divorce a week after his arrest and even testified against him in this case so kudos to you sister good for you i find this case so crazy but also so sad you have this young lady dying at the age of 35 who had a child, who had family, who had people in her life that loved her. She did some, like, vlogs and different things like that. People, you know, would watch her. She was super excited about spending the rest of her life with a man that she loved. And all of that was taken away. I can't prove that. That's just a theory. Um, But either way, you know, you have one person that's lost their life and then another person who you know, lost a life that they loved with a man that they loved or thought they loved and shared two children with. I don't know. Bianca, what do you think? What I can see you over there just so excited and wanting to say something. So what what are your thoughts on this?
0: Well, Hannah, I do have a lot of feelings about this. And I am, first of all, I never understand why men feel, or women, because there are women that do this, feel that they have to murder somebody instead of just telling the truth. It's like, was that the only option he could think of? Like, oh, shoot, instead of telling this woman that I've lied to her for all these years and breaking her little heart, I'm just going to kill her. Because that's so much better for everybody.
1: Yeah. And I honestly think that there was a possibility that he was thinking of killing his other wife at some point because he did move things in to, you know, the attic that were Molly's. Like, I think at some point that, that was the plan. That was so weird that this woman's
0: stuff was in their house. Like, how did the how did the woman not know, the wife of the time? I guess
1: you probably just don't go up to your attic very
0: often. I guess. I'm going to have to start going through my attic, I guess. Make sure there's no <laughs> one's stuff in Bro, there. The dog's going to put it in there. <laughs> That's true. Fortunately, I don't really have to worry about that. But, like... Just a PSA, because I feel like this happens, you know, we, you and I have talked about the Chris Watts case before, Scott Peterson, yeah. um, poor Susan Powell, these men, and I'm sure that, like I said, I'm sure that there are women who do this, but as women, we are more aware of the cases where men do this to women, where instead of just admitting that they're not happy in their marriage... They murder their wives because they think that that's just going to erase the problem and that they're going to be able to go off and live happily ever after with their side piece. I don't, I don't understand it. Yeah, and in this case, he killed the side piece (laughs) instead of the wife. I just don't get it. It's because, so, I think that this kind of goes along with red collar crime, which is white collar crime, but it turns into violence or murder because they're afraid of getting caught. Yeah. And I think that this was a case where he clearly has some serious mental health conditions <laughs> thought that in I, there's no way I can get out of this looking like a good person. So to spare my reputation, I'm just going to murder this woman that I was supposed to marry in a week or two? No, in two days. <laughs> two days. <laughs> two days. Oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> this is like the end of the week, and they we're going to get married that weekend. That's so, insane.
0: Yeah, it's insane.
1: And... Thank God that guy just happened to, like, go that way to his mom's house. He, like,
0: he's never going to take a shortcut again. (laughs) Last time I took a shortcut, I did not, it did not end well for me.
1: But, like, that's just, to me, I'm just, like, this guy went through, like, almost every step of getting married. Right. To another woman while still married to his wife, you know, for however many years.
0: And they went on, like, trips and stuff. For seven years. He dated this side piece and made her think that she... That his wife and children were dead. Not only was that not the case, but they were still together living this life. I feel bad. I feel bad for the wife at home.
1: And their kids, yeah. Oh,
0: man. And, yeah, and their children. And Molly's family. Yeah. Like, I'm assuming they met this man.
1: They knew because
0: they disapproved of the age difference, which I looked at the pictures in the article that you referenced, and I would probably have some opinions as well.
1: I mean... their age, you know, was 15 years, but he definitely looked old enough to be her father, I felt like, Oof, from the picture. Yeah. So I'm sure
0: that was off-putting. Just looking at him gave me the ick. I was like, bro, mm-mm. Yeah. And it, it just, it makes me sad for Molly and her family and her child. Her child. She had yeah, a child. she had a child. It's just, it's unfair that people resort to that kind of behavior because they can't take accountability or, like, face the consequences of their poor choices. like,
1: if you didn't want to be with your wife, even though you had been with her for a very long time, like, leave her and then get married to Molly. Divorce, people! Divorce! I don't understand the like, I I did feel like there was, I had some feelings about, like, he she knew that he proposed her while he was going through a divorce with his wife, and I was like, uh, I, personally I felt like if I got, like, proposed to but somebody was still, like, going through divorce, I'd be like, I love you, but this isn't the right time. Very for
0: situational. Yeah. I think it's very situational dependent, you know?
1: Um, and, and then, you know, for him to go and say that she was, had passed away from a car accident. Yeah. You know? And I think honestly, like I was trying to like put myself in his brain, like how, where, where is he going with this? Like, what are the reasonings? My only thing is, is maybe, It happened around the holidays, and during the holidays, you're supposed to spend time with your family. So maybe Mm. that was his excuse to, like, not be with Molly during the holidays. Oh, that's a good point. It's an assumption, but...
0: Sure, speculation, but it's a good good point. That's a good thought. He thought he was slick. He did. Homeboy thought he was slick, and I hope now that he's roasting. So I do want to say, you know... If you know someone who is in a situation like this or you have a feeling like this about your friend's, like, significant other, it's okay to tell them. Yeah. I would want somebody to tell me. Like, if I was dating somebody and they're like, you know, he kind of gives me the creeps because of this, this, and this. Why don't we do a little digging? I mean, this was 2018.
1: Yeah. It was not like this was in the 90s. I feel like, yeah. I feel... And they lived like, not that far away. Like, they did live in separate towns, but not very far. Like, I, you know... That'd be, like, me living in one town and someone living in Green Valley. Like, I yeah. don't know how... Well, like, listen, I... I'm dating,
0: you know, and I... for Fair warning to anybody that wants to go on a date with Bianca, I do background checks. Well, not background checks, but I will check case net. I will make sure that yeah. there's nothing against you. I will do a Facebook search because of shit like this.
1: Yeah. You just can't be too careful. No, no, you can't. You really can't. Unfortunately. And I I, I know there are women who have killed for yeah. s- the same reasons. I think we hear more male cases, and there probably are more male cases. Yeah. In in killings, there's going to be more males anyway. But, um, yeah, I was just, I was blown away when I, wa- like I said, I was happy to watch this before we yeah. talked about doing Missouri cases, and I was like, Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This guy really thought he could get away with this. Like, I think at one point he thought he was going to marry her. I he And nobody probably, was going to notice. Girl,
0: he got all the way up there and was like, what am I going to do? Yeah. And then he made the very wrong choice. Yes, he did. My jaw hit the floor when you said the cops showed up and the wife, who was supposed to have been deceased, answered the door.
1: Yeah, they thought they were going to be giving him surprising news and they got surprised. They
0: got the news. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was interesting. And I... Enjoyed listening to this case. And I hope that, you know, people are just cautious because you never really know somebody.
1: You really don't. You really, really don't. I mean, it's so scary to think about. I've heard so many stories, whether it's on TV or personal stories from people. You just do not know the people that you think you know. Your significant other might be somebody completely different. I mean, we know that from different serial killers where they had a family and the family had no idea That they were, you know, out killing people. Yep, exactly. I'm ready to hear your story. Are you sure?
0: Because yours was in, what, northwest Missouri? Northeast. Northeast. Mine's in northwest Missouri. So I guess we'll get into it here (laughs) in a second. Northern parts of Missouri, (laughs) man,
1: are crazy. Crazy.
0: So my story this week is... A tale of a case that inspired the book in later film in broad daylight, the murder of Ken McElroy. To fully understand how a man could be shot to death in public with no witnesses or convictions, I need to dive into the story of who Ken McElroy was as a person. So according to public record, Ken Rex McElroy was born June 1st, 1934 in Overland Park, Kansas, to Tony and Mabel McElroy and was the 15th of 16 children. Can you imagine? They moved around, it sounds like, but finally settled on Skidmore, Missouri which is an incredibly tiny town of 221 people, according to the 2021 census. It is a small farming community in western Nottoway County, Missouri, which, for those of you that don't know, is in the top left of our fine state. And I guess a more directionally correct way to say that is northwest. I am clearly not the person that you ask for directions. So Ken began his reign of terror of of his small town when he dropped out of the 8th grade at age 15, And found himself at the center of a litany of crimes that included theft of grain, alcohol, antiques, livestock for the next 20 years. Ask me how many times he was convicted. Don't worry, I'll wait. Zero. Dude avoided conviction at every damn turn. Any guesses as to why? Well, it was alleged that he intimidated the witnesses by following them, parking outside their house. You know, real bully shit. So, theft was just one avenue, this peach of a human walk down. Some of his more serious crimes include, and I will go ahead and give a trigger warning for mentions of sexual assault, violence, and death of pets. If you would rather not hear about these things, just skip ahead a few minutes. So, some of Ken's more serious offenses included rape, attempted murder, and arson that led to the death of two beloved family dogs. And speaking from the experience of losing my own pet almost a year ago, that's enough to make me hope that he is burning in hell. Like, turn up the heat in his room, even. So, Ken also fathered 10 children with different women. But his wife at the time of his death, her name was Trina McLeod. And the story of this poor woman is going to make you pretty mad, Hannah. I just want to give you a heads up. So, he met Trina when she was 12 years old. 12 and his dusty ass was 30 freaking five. Trina was his victim of sexual assault, you know, because she was 12 and not able to consent, even if they were, quote, in a relationship. And I have to say, even for 1969, this is gross. And I judged this girl's parents at first, until I read that they were not for this relationship until he burned down their house and then shot their family dog. It was after those terrifying acts that they unwillingly agreed to let Trina marry this piece of shit. But before they could get married, she got pregnant at age 14 and dropped out of school. And then they both went to live with Ken's second wife, Alice. Because yes, he is still married. And now they're all living together. Ken ended up divorcing Alice, though, so he could legally marry Trina and avoid those pesky statutory rape charges, as one does. And I'm going to bring this up later because it's important and infuriating, but I need to get to the rest of the story first. After Trina had the baby, she and Alice both left. They left Ken, they went to Trina's parents' house to try to seek refuge from this abusive man. But he was able to track them down, bring them back, and then wait for it, burns down Trina's parents' house once again and shot their new dog. At this point, I'm seething. I am so angry that this ass clown has been able to just terrorize this family with impunity. I am so full of rage. It turns out that in 1973, after the second arson, McElroy was finally indicted for arson assault and statutory rape. He was arrested, booked, arraigned, and of course released on $2,500 bail. According to Trina, she and her baby were put into foster care in the nearby town of Maryville, Missouri, and as you imagine, Ken tracked them down and would sit outside that foster home for hours and is even cited by the foster family as saying that he would trade, quote, girl for girl to get his child back. Can you imagine What that Foster family must have been thinking with this psychotic man offering to trade them a girl to get the child that is in their care because of him? I just, my mind is just blown. Needless to say, there were additional charges then filed against him. And it's finally starting to sound like this jerk is going to get the justice that he deserves. But let's fast forward a little bit, three years to 1976, And this is five years before his murder. Spoiler, I think I already told you, this dude does get killed. So McElroy was accused and charged with attempted murder after a farmer in Skidmore alleged that McElroy shot him twice with a shotgun after this farmer confronted him about shooting on his property. Could you imagine seeing this dude shooting guns on your property and then going to go tell him to stop? And then he freaking shoots you? As I mentioned earlier in my story, McElroy is good at intimidating his witnesses, and that's exactly what happened with this case. The farmer, whose name is Romaine Henry, said that McElroy parked outside his house like 100 times. Now, who's to say if this was an exaggeration, but at the end of the day, this guy was a bully and a criminal, and I believe that he probably did park his dusted-ass truck outside this poor farmer's house. Unfortunately... McElroy ended up being acquitted after the farmer had to admit that he had concealed his own criminal past. So Ken got off on a technicality and was free to torture another day. So moving ahead to 1980, one of Ken's children was accused of stealing candy from a local grocery store by the clerk. Instead of handling this like an adult, he began to stalk the 70-year-old owners of this convenience store, and then that led him to threaten them and confront them, and apparently this led to some big altercation in the back of the store with a shotgun because old Ken has always got his shotgun with him. So as this confrontation heated up, McElroy shot 70-year-old Ernest Bo Bowenkamp in the freaking neck with that shotgun. Thank God he survived. But the joke that was the arrest of Ken McElroy was short-lived as he was released on bail once again and then took his charming self to the local bar with his M1 Garand rifle with a bayonet attached to the end and made very graphic threats toward the store owner, whom he had just shot in the neck. Needless to say, the townspeople were finally at their wits end and pissed that after Ken's hearing was delayed once again, they met at the Legion Hall at the center of town with the county sheriff, Dan Estes, to get feedback and advice on how to protect themselves. The sheriff was just like, ugh, don't interact with them. Like, don't confront him. Don't engage with them. Blah, blah, blah. The whole ignore the bully tactic. Because that's clearly worked. Homeboy is coming into bars with bayonet strapped to the end of his rifle. What exactly are they supposed to do? Well, the sheriff suggested creating a neighborhood watch. And then he leaves and goes back out of town. Please pause for the biggest eye roll I have ever rolled. This is when the town gets spicy. While they were in their meeting, word got back to the group of angry townspeople that Ken was back in town with Trina, who was his wife, again. And they were at the bar. So what does the group of angry townspeople do when the sheriff leaves? They head up to the bar. Ken and Trina finish their drinks. Ken buys himself another six-pack because why not? and they both go sit in his truck. While he's sitting in his truck, shots are fired from multiple directions and two strike kin, killing him. Nobody calls an ambulance, and the only person who, quote, saw anything was Trina, who was sitting next to him in the truck. There are easily 40 to 50 witnesses to this shooting, and yet nobody saw anything? If that isn't the most snitches get stitches moment, I don't know what is. Because to this day, There has not been a conviction in this case. Now, Trina did file a wrongful death lawsuit for $5 million and was eventually awarded $17,600 with no conviction. Nobody ever pled guilty. Nobody was ever charged with the murder. They just settled because it was just going to cost too much in court fees to continue that, that lawsuit. I feel like the moral of this story should be the more you mess around, the more you find out. And Ken found out. Hannah, before I get your feedback on this story, I want to circle back to the fact that Ken was able to marry a whole child and it was legal. I was listening to one of our favorite podcasts, Crime Junkie, today on my way to the doctor, and in the episode, Ashley Flowers reported that in 2017, there was not one state that had made child marriage illegal, meaning, that anyone under the age of 18 can legally get married. And to date, there are still 41 states who have not outlawed this practice. So like our knight in shining armor can, rapists can marry their victims because that completely erases any statute of rape or sexual assault due to age. So there's no more statutory rape involved. First of all, how did I not know this? Second of all, how is this still a thing in the year of the Barbie movie in twenty twenty three, how is this still a thing? Okay, Hannah, I need to hear what you think.
1: Okay, first of all, I have a lot of different <laughs> thoughts in a different lots of different directions <laughs> at this point. But Homeboy Ken got what he had come into. Homeboy him, Ken. And I would have been one of those townspeople that like Somebody died? Something <laughs> happened? That's yeah. so weird. I was just inside. Like,
0: I don't know what happened. Yeah. I was is, in the bathroom. He like, is not the kin that we asked for. He is not the kin vibe that we wanted oh. in the year of the Barbie movie.
1: <laughs> so I think, honestly, I'm sure that the police aren't really caring too much to oh, get a conviction. They were absolutely not The concerned. legal system was completely faulty in the fact that he got away with as much as he did. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he could marry a
0: 12-year-old... I don't think they were 12 when they got married, but she was under the age of 18. Okay,
1: but they were together at 12. Yeah,
0: she was pregnant with his child at 16.
1: Totally. And (laughs) what year was this? 1969. Okay, so still, like, towards where you would think that that would not be okay. That's kind of weird,
0: yeah. But see, the parents didn't like it until he burned their house down. Not
1: once, but twice. Yeah, and shot their dogs. And Trina, what were you thinking? <laughs> what were you? I get you're a no. kid, but he burned your parents' house down. Well, they tried to. They fled. Yeah, and then he brought her and back. And then he. And he, then yeah. she. Th- then she did a wrongful death suit, like girl. Yeah,
0: I am not wondering if that was maybe a little bit of
1: Stockholm syndrome. Like she'd been with him her entire life. Yeah, you know. Well, and honestly, I think that the settlement that she got was about what his life was worth accurate. What was it, like $1,700? $17,000. Oh, $17,000. <laughs> a
0: little more, but, but I, still. you know, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I think that they really just wanted this to be done with, and yeah. they were like, this is just going to cost us too much. It's going to cost you too much. Let's just cut you a check, and let's all move on with our lives.
1: And the fact that in 2023, there are still 41 states that allow, you know, underage kids to be getting married. Yep. And it, that's, that there's no statute of who they're getting married to. It's not like, oh, my boyfriend's 19 and I'm 17 Mm -hmm. and we're going to get married or 16. This is, we can have 40 year old men. Marrying 16 year old girls. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that, that happens so much. And I, there are certain communities where that happens a little more often than others. I'm not going to, I'm not going there. We can talk about it privately. Yeah. But it's just, it's disgusting.
1: I I'm just I think I'm just overwhelmed with all of the stupidity of so many people on so many yeah. levels in this and just that there are people out there that think that they can just bully their way through life. And that's exactly what he I did. I mean he yeah, he did it. Until he, got he away messed with around it. and found out. He
0: messed around with the wrong group of townspeople.
1: <laughs> they were like I would have been like the leader of the townspeople. <laughs> that's my personality. Like, hey! Her kids back at the bar. We go in with our pitchfork and our torch. Wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. Um that is crazy. Yeah. You know, I think it's crazy that we have two like big you know, murders that happen like with all these crazy circumstances in so close to us. I mean I know. Within an hour like you could drive there within a few hours. Yeah. I think is maybe like two hours from yeah. us. Yeah.
0: And it's just In the north, so just northern Missouri. I'm judging you a little bit. We always Northern Missouri folks we are sorry. We always in the town that we're from, one of our big small hometown rivalries is north of the river. And it's kind of the running thing that anyone from North of the River is weird or like different. (laughs) This is tracking.
1: This is (laughs) tracking. We're just a bunch of river rats. We're just yeah, we're the river
0: rats, (laughs) but y'all they all sorry people are the ones that are (laughs) north of the river.
1: I definitely think Ken got what he had come into him, and I do not blame the police or anybody else for not finding out who killed him. Yeah, I feel like in this
0: case, I would kind of look the other way also.
1: Like, yeah, oh, so and like, I'm not, like, for that. I was going to say, <laughs>
0: let's make it clear that we are not for people not being held <laughs> accountable. We're not for vigilantes. Not, yeah, we don't support vigilante shit, but we might have just stayed out of this one
1: (laughs) you know like I would not have I'm not going out of my way 60 something and that was going on I'd be like yeah like I said grab your pitchforks and torches let's go get this guy but that's just great yeah not not in everyday life well I think this was a pretty successful first episode of our spooky series Um, we're so so excited for the month of October you guys We love true crime. We love everything spooky. We love cold, wet weather (laughs) that you get in October. Yes, very true. (laughs) We are so excited for the next few weeks.
0: And yeah, next week we're going to talk about survivor stories. So please come back and listen. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Taking Back Sunday Podcast. Follow us on Facebook at Taking Back Sunday. Like and follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcast and now Amazon Music.
1: And if you have a murder mystery case in Missouri that you find super interesting, please write us and let us know. We'd love to hear about it.
0: Again, thanks for joining us this week. I'm
1: Bianca. And I'm Hannah. And we are Taking Taking Back Back Sunday. Sunday. I'm not the sorry, people.
0: Oh man. She comes in here thinking she's the queen of everything and we're just the sorry sorry people. (laughs) Oh man.